host of the Fountain of Life podcast and it's a real privilege and gratitude to God to start the first episode in this new series which we've captioned Memories, Monsters or Ministers or Our Memories Helping Us or Hurting Us. Today my setup for the video looks a bit very busy and it's for a reason. I have over here a very nice bouquet that was sent to me by one of my colleagues in the office as me and my family grieve the loss of my dear beloved brother. And he passed on to glory just around the time I'm preparing to start working on this series. And I uh, decided to incorporate the bouquet into my setup today to honor the memory my beloved elder brother and I pray for all who are going through moments of grief loss of loved ones or any kind of personal tragedy at this moment in time and I pray that the messages that we will share in this series be helpful to you to help you to find your next steps even as you move on in this moment of pain in your lives Right, so that explains why we have all these flowers and things set up over here. It's all about memory, isn't it? And that is just what we are talking about. So memory is very vital for our existence at, as people. Without memory, a lot of things don't work. But before we go into any detail in today's episode, the first one in many that we shall be holding as we discuss this topic, I just want to provide a bit of a, a backdrop to this. So I call it a housekeeping issue. Um, and it has to do with how we use the information in this episode. I want to say upfront that whatever information is provided in this and many other episodes in this particular series, it is not meant for diagnosing or treating any particular medical condition. If anything we talk about or anything that you hear in this episode alludes to that, let me just make it clear upfront that that is not the purpose. If you have any immediate medical need in this area that we are talking about or any other one, please dial 911 or call your medical provider or book an appointment with your primary care provider. Thank you. So that is the housekeeping thing. Before we launch into today's episode in any more detail, I also want to read an excerpt 
of a book by John Irvine. That is a prayer in his novel, A Prayer for Owen Mini. And he begins to set the stage for how people perceive memory. In this book, John Irvine wrote, Your memory is a monster. You forget it doesn't. It simply files things away. It keeps things from you or hides things from you and summons them to a recall with a will of his own. You think you have a memory, but it has you. How true is this? It's so true. It looks like our memories seem to operate autonomous of us. It seems to have a mind of its own. See, so that is what John Evan is trying to point to us. That our memories, they forget and they recall things of their own will. So we all need memories to function. Memory teaches us so many things. So what is it about memory? Are our memories monsters, as John Evan is saying? Or are they ministers? I'll say both are true. Both are true. In the sense that we all have memories that we cherish. And at the same time, we have memories that we don't want to recall. Because it triggers emotions within us that leads to all sorts of problems. So in this series, we want to explore how we relate to our memory might seem very interesting yeah how we relate to our memory it might seem like it is independent of us no it isn't it's part of us so how do we lead a life that gives us some control over our memory is it really a monster the truth about what this author wrote is that those memories that we don't want guess what they pop up at moments when we don't want them and there are people who are in constant battle with the effects of things that have happened in the past, which is being dredged up by their memories. So what do we do? How do we deal with it? In answer to that question, how do we deal with our memories? I will set the ball rolling to this whole series that we'll be talking about with a very interesting scenario in the Bible. Because the Bible is going to always be the foundation of anything that we discuss in this podcast. So why don't you go with me to Psalm 137. Psalm 137. And I'm going to read up to verse 4. A lot of us can sing this psalm. We can quote it. And recently I was watching a video a friend posted on the WhatsApp platform when Bonnie M was singing about by the rivers of Babylon and all of that. I don't know if the writer of the psalm really intended it to be a dance hall music. But whatever it is, it's going to be the foundation on which we do a lot of our discussion in this episode. So let us go there, pick a few lessons on it, and then see where God leads us by His Spirit. So in Psalm 137, the first verse, this is what the Bible says. I'm reading for a New King James Version of the Bible. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. 
we hang our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered us requested a mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Or the King James Version says, How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So, who are these people? And why did they write this psalm? A little dig around tells us that this is a psalm that was written by the captives of Judah, the captives of Israel who had been taken away by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. So, we are told in this psalm their emotional state as well as their physical state in that moment of captivity in the land of Babylon. It's a far, far, far journey. If you look at modern day, let's say Lebanon, Israel, and then modern day Iraq, that is almost like 2,000, 3,000 miles as a crow flies. And back in the day, that must be a very big separation for them. So here they are, far away from their culture, in a foreign land with nothing that they can connect to. Their temple has been burned down, broken down by Nebuchadnezzar and his people. Authority structure is broken and they are just walking around. They are just there. Well, that is just one part of the story. Towards the end of this episode, I'll give you the other part of the story. So these people sat down by the rivers. Now, if we dig a little bit about the geography of the place, the area around Iraq, they have much, much bigger rivers than maybe the, the Jordan that is in, you know, in Israel or up there in that part where they were removed from. So there must be some fascination with this mighty, the, the Tigris, the Euphrates, and all of those river systems in that part of the world. But most importantly, what we see is there was an emotional response. There, there was an emotional response to the nostalgia of they living or missing their homeland. If we've all missed places, as you travel around, maybe you miss your family, you miss your friends. That is a normal human emotion. But this is much deeper because they had no power of their own to go back to Israel, to go back to Judah, go back to their villages and the things that they know. So there is this traumatic experience that they had witnessed, being carried away as a slave, being carried away as a captive of war. And nothing to go back to looking forward was bleak looking back was impossible there was really nothing so that traumatic experience has memory associated with it and the bible says in verse 1 that they sat down by the riverside and they wept whenever they remembered zion whenever they remembered jerusalem and what their life used to be like, the things that they had lost. 
So memory was a very, very important trigger to their misery, to their pain, to their sorrow. But most importantly, in verse 2, it is a sense of dysfunction. Verse 2 says, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. They hung their harps. The willow trees must have been growing around this riverside or the willow trees must have been ornamental plants around these water bodies. Now, if any of us know willow trees, they are called weeping willows for a reason. That, that particular species that we are talking about here, that Salix babylonica, I don't know whether the people who gave it the generic name were referring to Psalm 137 when they used it, you know, the species name babylonica. But Salix babylonica has a very unique feature. This plant, when you look at it, it seems to communicate something to you. There is an air of gloom. There's an air of solemnness around willow trees. And with the leaves all drooping downwards, it conveys a certain mood of sadness, a certain mood of pain around it. There is a pond, you know, in my commute. And sometimes as a driver, they have some willow trees planted around it. Anytime I drive past that pond, there is some air of solemnness around that whole area. And I believe the urban myth is, it's called weeping willow because of the nature of the orientation of the leaves. When raindrops falls on the leaves, it kind of drops down like tears. So somehow somebody decided to give it a common name, the weeping willow, because of the atmosphere that it conjures. So there is something unique about where these people have decided to take refuge from their pain, from their misery. They sat by these rivers with these willow trees around, more or less seeking solace in nature, more or less trying to find something to lean on. The willow trees are their go-to place. And not only that, they are told in Psalm 2 that they hung their harps on the willow trees. You see, we all have our go-to places when our emotions stir up bad memories. Some people, their go-to is alcohol in a bit to something that might alleviate the pain some is drugs for some is just anger just raw anger when something is triggered some memory is triggered or like john evans said the memory itself recalls something that percolates to the surface that emotional aspect that comes up was a fix and for some people their fix is maybe anger or they just close up and find somewhere like what these people have done the willow trees of their existence i don't know what is our go-to but the most important thing that i'll say here is 
a metaphoric interpretation of what they did. They hung their harps on the willows. The harps represents baby talents, represents their abilities. They haven't forgotten how to play music. The talent is there. They haven't forgotten lyrics or songs. They haven't forgotten. The talent is there. The ability is there. But the moment that they were living in has created a dysfunction. The dysfunction is so strong that they just cease to do the things that they could do. And that begins to describe a lot of us when our memories are weaponized, when our memories begin to dredge up our pain. And that is where they are. They hung their harps on the willow trees. And it's very sad when we experience dysfunction because of a traumatic event or because of something that has been dredged up our memory. It, it could be just a microsecond. You freeze. You are not able to function. Something just stops working right. And sometimes our go-to, like these people, the willow trees, the atmosphere that they were leaning on to provide them with the comfort and the support that they need, practically becomes the death knell or the place where they lay the altar on which they lay their talents and their abilities. There are people who have just stopped functioning and they've laid their talents and their abilities on their go-tos. They sacrifice their giftings, their abilities to drugs, to alcohol, to just anything that gives them solace that they need. I don't know what you've hanged your harps on right now based on an event or based on something that you have gone through. But the sadness of these people's situation is that they have managed to convince themselves that whatever they've been through, whatever the issue that they are dealing with, would not allow them to function at their utmost. And this is what they say in verse 4. For the, the people who, verse 3, the people who carry this away captive, they required of us a song. They required of us a mirth. So it, it's not like they are unable to function. It's not like they are unable to do the things. Otherwise, the people would not have asked them. So naturally, those people might have known that these people are gifted. They have talents. They have abilities. They can do things. And so they are asking them, just do what we know you can do. Now, this is how they respond. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? So sometimes when our memory leads us to the dark place, when our memory dredges up the pain and the things that hold on to us, it leads us to the place of dysfunction. It leads us to the place where the basic things that we know we can do you are unable to do it. And as you can see, these are all actions that they took in response 
to being away from Zion in response to the loss that they had experienced. It's not that they can't sing the lost song. They can sing it, but they manage to convince themselves that this is not the place where we can sing the lost song based on where we are. As we go through this series, I don't know where memory have played a part in the dysfunction in your life. But I believe that God is aware of this. God knew where they have been and he had a plan for them. So, are they really looking at the complete picture? Are they really looking at the whole truth? Are they really looking at everything that there is to be said about being a captive in Babylon? And the answer is no. How do I know that? I want you to go with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. A lot of believers quote this verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, and the verse 11 especially. But most of the book of Jeremiah was a letter that he had been writing to these captives to tell them about God's plan and purposes for their lives. And I'll read verse 1 and then we'll read the next subsequent verses. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he was writing these letters to them. And the letters were conveying the voice of God and the purposes of God for them. Verse 3. The letter was sent by the hand of Elassah, the son of Sephan, and Gemariah, the son of Hekiah, Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and begat sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, we have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it, for in the peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. So Jeremiah was telling them, look, God has a plan for you. God is saying, settle down. He understands what you're going through. And he wrote these letters of encouragement to them. But we still have whatever they have done. From verse 10, we see the full import of Jeremiah's message to them. For that says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. 
So God said, I have the plan. I, I know I have a plan towards you. A plan of good and not of evil. A plan that will give you a future and a hope. So if you if you contrast these words with their mood and their attitude, they had practically packed up. They have ceased to function. And they have just given themselves over to nostalgia and pain. As we go through this series, there is something that is going to be very evident. What God is saying, this is what our memory is saying. We will have choices to be made. My prayer, everyone who is listening to this series, who will you choose to believe? memory of your pain promise a prayer for you as we lay the foundation to this series that don't hang your hearts on the willow trees don't lean on nature don't lean on drugs and alcohol and all the things that we go to to seek solace because they will take a hold on to our hearts our abilities our giftings and lead us to the place of complete dysfunction God is saying, go out there and function. He knows the plans that he has towards us. And they are plans of good. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I look forward to all the other aspects, other, other episodes that are going to come. And I will encourage you, don't miss any one of this. Share with your loved ones. Follow us. And uh, subscribe to this podcast either on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple, Amazon, or all the places where you get your podcast. Because this is going to be a fun ride. It's really, really going to be fun ride. God richly bless you. And I look forward to the next episode to share with you. Thank you for watching. of Matthew 11 28 to 29 Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest